Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Go to 1 Samuel, if you will. 1 Samuel. And uh, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 24, 2 Samuel and chapter 24, if you'll do that, 2 Samuel chapter 24, and I cannot say it enough, thank you for being here this morning, and many times pastors take for granted uh, that there was a lot of uh, getting ready this morning, getting kids ready this morning, uh, making sure that the family was fed, uh, clothes were laid out and that you got in the car, made your way down, and uh, even the difficulties of getting to church, um, I do not want to take for granted that you're here. And I just want to say thank you very much. It's good to have Mrs. Souza with us this morning, and uh, she um, came through a couple of things the past this past week, and so thanks for being here, Miss Souza. I know it took a lot of effort to get here, and, and uh, as your pastor, I don't take that for granted, so God bless you. Second Samuel chapter 24, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you right now in the next uh, 25 minutes, 30 minutes max. Lord, we're going to dive into an area that uh, I believe that you want to help us on. Satan has done nothing but has complicated this journey. He doesn't like garden living. He, he doesn't like it when we live in peace and we live in tranquility and and we live where the lion and the lamb lie down together, where the roses have no thorns, to where there is a walking with you, dear God, in the cool of the day, in the cool of the evening. And, but Lord, there's always that Genesis 3 to where Satan wants to come and cast doubt into our lives. He's always been this way. And Lord, as we read in Genesis chapter 3 that he does it by subtlety, he does it inch by inch. He does it with conversations. Lord, he's been a master at it for all these years. He has always been involved in trying to mess up the relationship that we have with you. Lord, he doesn't want us to go to heaven. That's his primary objective, is to send people to hell. His secondary objective, once he loses the first battle, was salvation. That God, He has been working against your children because He does not want us to glorify you. He wants us to become self-sufficient. Lord, we're getting ready to once again go under the tent. and We're going to get into revival. And Lord, as we get into revival, Lord, I pray that this one truth from your word will resonate in our spirits. And that, God, we will walk away knowing, let's take care of this so that we can kick the devil out of any influence so that at the end of this revival, we might be revived. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for what our hearts have experienced through the singing and fellowship. And, Lord, continue to work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 24, to get the context, David is here. If you'll drop to the next book, 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings chapter 1. Now David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with cloths, but he got no heat. We come to the very beginning of the king's part of it, but we find out that David's old. David is coming to the end of his life, and as he comes to the end of his life, something begins to happen in him. We find this in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse number 1. The Lord is upset with David. And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, and number ye the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said unto the king, now let's pause, Joab was a scoundrel. You know anything about Joab in the Old Testament, Joab played both ends against the middle, and Joab was one sneaky assistant to the king. In fact, when Solomon became king, David gave specific instructions what to do with Joab because David would not. He said, Solomon, when you become king, and what he did was he went down a list of men. Don't trust these men. You take care of these men. And, and, and he goes on. Joab was one of them. But I find this very interesting that even Joab said to the king, we're talking about a sneaky, slimy assistant in Joab. But even Joab in his condition said this in verse number two. For the king said to Joab, then verse number three, and Joab said unto the king, now the Lord thy God add unto the people how many soever they be in hundredfold, and that the eyes of my Lord the king may see it. But why doth my Lord the king delight in this thing? God was upset with David because David, all the sons coming to the end of his life, and he stops and says this, I need to find out my standing. I need to find out just how strong am I? Where do I stand among the nations? Where, where do I rank as king? What, what has been my legacy for these decades and where, where am I at? So David, in an attempt to help his own ego, stops and begins to number now, there's nothing wrong with taking a census. There's nothing wrong with taking account. In fact, the entire book of Numbers is for the sake of numbering. And over 83 times in the book of Numbers, it tells that they would number them. They were numbered among them. So God gave us a whole book based on numbers. How many people in this tribe and how many people in this tribe? The difference between what God did and what David did was in the motivation. That's why Joab said, King, listen, why doth my Lord the king delight in this thing? If you look at verse number three, even Joab said, The, the Lord thy God add unto the people, how many soever they be, an hundredfold, that, and that the eyes of my Lord the king may see it. In, in other words, what, what Joab was saying was, David, the Lord's going to add whatever he wants to add, and what you see is what you get. It's just what do you see is what you get. 
And Joab said, I don't understand. Why is there an insatiable desire to know where you stand among the nations? Now, I find it very interesting that when I was looking at this, David now is trying to, for the sake of his own self-satisfaction and for the sake of his legacy, if you will, where do I stand, that, that, that the, the anger of the Lord. Now, at first glance in verse 1, if you'll go there, at first glance, and the anger of the, of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he. Now, at first glance, it looks like the Lord provoked and moved David to count. And this is why when we don't rightly divide the word that we're going to come up with this kind of, well, well, God moved and then God chastised. Let me tell you something. God doesn't set you up with temptation only to punish you for you giving in. Our God doesn't deal with us that way. He, he doesn't on purpose bait us. Okay? And I love that about our God. He's a good father. So let's kind of figure this one out. Go to, go to uh, second, First Chronicles chapter 21. It is the same story. Now the Chronicles is just what it is. It's a newspaper. It is not the entire police report. And uh, so if I could give you First and Second Chronicles, it, it is the happenings that you find back in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. But know this, it's not the police report with the, with the particulars of everything in there. It's the Chronicles. It's the newspaper account of just the general things. It doesn't give you all the particulars, but it does help us shed light. So here's the same story, 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to what, please? Number Israel. I love it when people at first glance take a shot at our Bible and say, well, see, there's a mistake there. It's not a mistake. Satan clarified, it was clarified in the Chronicles, that Satan, now please stay with me, Satan, Satan once again gets involved in a believer's life and he provoked David to number. Satan is constantly, and here's the, the title for this morning, Satan's census. Satan's census. Do you know what Satan's constantly having you and I do? He's having us stop and then look at our life to see where do we rank and how do we fit. And so Satan wants us to stop, and he wants you to take a census of who you are right now. You see, God's got you on a journey. God's got you going someplace. And it is very easy for you and I to where we are at. Teenager, it's very easy for you right now to let Satan start whispering with the world around you and everything going on. It's very easy, teenager, for you to think, I'm, I'm, i got to stop right now. Let me take a census of where I'm at and how do I rank among the nations. The moment that we get our eyes off the path and the moment we get our eyes off the footprints and following Jesus, for his word is a what please? Light unto my, and a, a lamp unto my, don't look at me that way, y'all messed it up like I did, and a light unto my, do you know how God meant for us to walk 
with him. We, he meant to walk for us to walk in the light of where we're at. And every day we just walk in that light and we just follow that light. And sometimes the devil says this, how do you know you're walking in the right path? So what he wants you to do is he wants you to stop and take and look and then lift your eyes up and then shine to the world around you. And that's what he did to David. David's old. David's at the end of his life. And now David steps up and Satan says, uh, you need to find out the world around you. And so he provokes Satan. Satan's always wanting us to stop. Satan's always wanting us to take inventory. How do I rank among the fathers? How do I rank among the mothers? How, how, how do I line up with the other teenagers in the youth group? How, how do I line up as a 17-year-old with other 17-year-olds? And here I am at 24, and how do I line up with the rest of the 24-year-olds? And a midlife crisis is nothing more than you arriving where you're at in your 50s, your 40s to your 50s, and then stopping and looking up and going, well, they, they have bigger houses than I have, and they're further down the road than I am, and they, they, they got more than I have. And, and then all of a sudden, listen to me, once the devil gets us to step into this arena to where he wants us to take a census, one or two things are going to happen. Either you're going to get prideful. Have you ever asked somebody how old they were and they were on a walker? And then they looked up at you and said, Sir, how old are you? And they look at you and go, 55 Hey, all of a sudden, I'm feeling pretty good about me. And I'm 55 too. When we at camp and a kid challenged me to push-ups and I dropped down and I ripped off some push-ups, got up and walked away, went back to the cabin and went, oh man, I'm dying. <laughs> My arms were hanging down like this. <laughs> When you stop, and what's going to happen is, is if you stop and you take a census, then here's what's going to happen. And you're better than the nations around you. Then you'll get prideful. But you know what usually happens? It's not pride. It is depression. And it is self-worth has gone down. Now I... How I don't I don't how come I'm not further down the road? How come I shouldn't I should I, I I need more? But you and I do not understand that God is not done. God is not confined to this life. God's taking us to eternity. The next time you and I take a census, it needs to be in eternity facing the Savior because everybody's on the same level at that point. And if I could get you this morning to understand that Satan wants you to take a census of who you are, Satan wants you to stop where you're at, and he wants you to take an accounting now. But I ask you, please don't do that. Because the thing the devil wants you to ask yourself is this. How am I doing in relation to the people around me? That, that's why when... Babies are born and babies are dressed up and, and all of a sudden they're, 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 they're starting to go to the nursery and they're starting to just get together. It's very easy for a mother to say, well, she's a much better mother than I am. 
Now, now understand, this is what Satan wanted to do to David. David's old. David's like, I've lived my three score. I've, I've, I've reigned for all these years, and, and now I need to find out where, where exactly do I stand? David entered into the land of pride. David entered into this land to where he wanted to know. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, all God wants from us is trust and faith and reliance that where we are at is exactly where God wants us to be. And God's not done working in your life. It's that little kid song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. The dawn, I don't even know words. But, but I'll tell you. But, but listen. Satan provoked. There is in each of us the number one thing God hates. It's pride. It is the number one market that the devil deals in. But the Bible is replete with phrases and verses about pride. I will break the pride of your power. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. Therefore pride compasseth them as a chain, about as a chain. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. Only by pride cometh contention. In the mouth of foolish of the foolish is the rod of pride. Pride goeth before destruction. Destruction. A man's pride shall bring him low. In the pride and stoutness of his heart, even of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath. Woe to the crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim. My soul shall weep in secret places for your pride. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. If you would go to Matthew chapter 4. Our Savior faced the Prince of Pride. Our Savior faced Satan when Satan tried to provoke. Now, let, let, let me help you. It's going to come to your, your shores. You're going to want to look around. And sometimes people make drastic changes, not because God's moving, but because they're not measuring up. I, I, I'm not measuring up. So now I need to do something different. Please, don't let Satan push you into your pride. Because it's in each, each, each and every one of us. Don't let Satan provoke you to where you have to stop and go, how do I measure up? There are people living in a depressed state right now. You want to know why? Because somebody else their age has more than what they have. There, there's people going, is, is, are you the standard of this is where I should be at this age? And are, are you, you, know, you, know the, you know the chart I hate is that height weight chart. How many would agree with that? I hate that thing. If you are six foot tall, you need to be 178 pounds. No! The thing they forgot to take into account is how good your mama cooks, where you live, the bone density of your parents, and all that kind of stuff. No, don't y'all, listen, that's not reality. All right, reality is this. You are who you are. You got there by what you do. You're going to stay there if you continue to do what you do. If you want out of who you are, do something different tomorrow. How was that? All right, so here we go. That'll be $9.95 for that book, all right? But here you have Jesus and Satan. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had, finished, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him and said, here it is, 
If thou be the Son of God. Now, now can, can we just say how stupid that is right there? There's no if. He is. And by the way, this wasn't Satan's first encounter with the Son of God. It wasn't his first encounter. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he continues to keep coming at him. He, caught, he comes again. And the devil, in verse number 5, taking them up into the holy city and set them on a pinnacle and saying, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Then in verse number 8, the devil takes him up into exceeding high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Ladies and gentlemen, the Satan is always trying to bait you into proving something that you don't have to prove. Can I say that again? Satan's always baiting you to prove something that you don't have to to prove. Don't let this world around you tell you you have to be further down life because you only as far in life as God is taking you. I don't know why you're where you're at. I don't know why the doors haven't opened up yet for some of you. I don't know why healing hasn't come. I don't know how did your life end up here at 16. How did your life end up here at 17? The only thing I know is this. You get in the light of God's word and you get in that light and you just take a step when he takes a step and you take a step when he takes a step because at the end of this journey, it's not how far you went in this life. It's did I follow Christ in this life. And we are putting undue expectation and pressure upon our children to say, you see your cousin? You need to be like your cousin. No, they don't. They need to be just like who God made them. A wife looks at her, well, how come you can't be like that other husband? Don't do that to your husband. Well, how come you can't cook like mama? That will cost you a leg of lamb upside the, t- upside the head. Don't, don't, don't do that kind of stuff. And if you can't cook like mama, then be honest with her. And then get ready to get hit upside the head. Amen? If you'll notice here, he came to him on three levels. Now, 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 now listen. Satan came to to Jesus on three levels. And if Satan wants to get you pride in this arena that will throw you into something you don't want to be in. Oh, I wish that every young person would listen. If I had a teen message to preach to you, it would be this. You're exactly how God wanted you to be. Don't force something. But Satan will come. And he came to Christ on three levels. Could we look at him, please? Matthew 4, 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made, what please? Bread. I find this very interesting. When you start studying this part of the country, um, they, their rocks were in the shape of loaf. They were loaf-shaped rocks. And then throughout, they were flattened uh, clay, the, these flattened rocks, and they looked like an English loaf or a, Jewish, uh, a flat Jewish cake. So that's the reason why he looked at these that looked like bread 
And he said, if you'll change this into bread. Many times, the first place that God, that Satan will come to you is in the area of your creativity. You see, the devil wants you to be self-reliant on what you do. The devil wants you to come to who you are and do what you can do. Uh, listen to this. Your God has so much ahead of you that I think a lot of times we put this pressure on ourselves. Well, is this all I have? Is this all I am? Listen, don't do that to yourself. Your God is way ahead of you. And we live in a day and time where people come in all the time and say this, I'm dumb. I can't do this. I'm not smart like the other people. Listen to this. You're smart because you are made in the image of God. And God lives on the inside of you. And God doesn't need you to turn anything into anything. God's got all the creativity to give you the witty invention to get it done. I am amazed how that God takes people and puts into their brain something that they never thought of before. And then all of the, how many of this ever happened to? It's like, how do I? And then you created something. Somebody comes to you and say, how did you do that? And you sit there and go, uh, you know what you're scared to tell them? I have no idea. I don't have a clue. Your God knows how to create. But Satan came to Jesus and he said, hey, turn that into something. And Jesus said, no. 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 Your pride sometimes will make you want to step out to prove something. Listen, don't live life to prove something. Live life to honor God. And there are people making decisions all over Christianity in pride. Well, I'm just going to show that I can get this done. Oh, my friend, if Jesus Christ didn't show the devil that he could get it done, let's not play the devil's game. That's just pride. You want to walk in humility with God blessing you and God touching your life and God making everything turn out the way. And God, you want a Job favor of God. You don't want your limited power because you and I don't have the power to get it done. How many times has somebody take a right turn to get a promotion? Think I'll use my creativity for God forget you. I'll do that's pride. And the devil can do that. The first thing was pride in this creativity. And then look at this, verse number six. And, and, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Do you know the second thing that he came to him? He said, uh, you're invincible. You're invincible. Throw yourself off. Because you know nothing will happen to you. Oh. You know the, the famous last words of a redneck? Hey, y'all, watch this. Hey, watch this. How many know those are the beginning words of a tragedy? Right? And we're invincible. Do you know what pride is? Pride is, I'll be okay. I don't need God. I can cast myself down. I can get up and walk away. I'll be just fine. 
And there are people that are walking in this pride because Satan has a way to put the world around us to where people are self-reliant and they're always talking about how good they are and how big they are and how bad they are. And it's all posters all about them. And so we raise this generation that says, well, I've got to be invincible because I can't ask for help and I can't rely on anybody. I'll just be self-reliant. That's pride. Everybody needs to know you're not invincible. I, th- I, think, I think the Proverbs put it this way. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? If you're wearing boots like this, your feet ain't going to burn nothing, amen? <laughs> My feet are hot right now. And, 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 and can that happen? You know what the answer is? No. Let's not walk around going, I'm invincible. Listen. When you walk in light of this word, he gives you the witty inventions. He gives you the creativity. When you walk in the wisdom of God's word, listen to this, he's invincible. I'm not. He is. And then the last thing, and then we're going to go back, if you will, to 2 Samuel as we close. If you'll look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 9. Matthew 4 and verse 9. He said... um, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. He said all these things. I think it's the creativity. Listen to me. You don't have to be as smart as the next guy. You have to be as yielded as God wants you to be. And he'll give you the creativity. The second thing is this. You don't have to be invincible. That's pride. You don't have to be a strong mother. You don't have to be a strong father. How many times do you watch people have a meltdown in front of you and they say, I just can't do it anymore. And you sit there and you look at them and go, come on now, you can do this. I just can't do this anymore. You want people at that level. Why? Because that's total reliance upon God. It's the haughty person. It's the prideful person that's always right, always has it together, never has. Let me tell you something. Tears in a man's eyes and tears in a lady's eyes is nothing more than understanding I'm frail and I can't get this done. Don't walk in the pride. Don't let the devil push you into this. And then of the acquiring, Satan said, all these things, and, and would you look at it? Will I give you? You see, Satan always has the future out there, but he never comes through. Never comes through. Satan wants you to have things, but he wants you to get them your way rather than getting them God's way. You know, God says, the blessings of the Lord, he addeth no sorrow to it. Here's the crazy thing about David's life. Are you ready? Let's go back to 2 Samuel and then we'll close. Here's the craziest thing about David's life. David... At the end of his life, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, David at the end of his life wanted to see how strong he was in comparison with the rest of the nations. We find that in chapter 24. But would you back up in chapter 23 to verse number 8? You see, David thought that, how how do I rank among the nations? How strong am I? Look look at verse number 8. These 
be the names of the mighty men whom David had. And when you look at the last verse, number 39, Uriah the Hittite, 30 and 7 in all. Would you look at how strong these men were? Look at verse number 10 as he talks about Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men that David, verse number 9, that defied that, that defy the Philistines and gathered together to battle. Look at verse 10. He smote, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. And then you have Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where the piece of a ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. David didn't even realize, y'all, that in his quest to see how much strength he had, he had enough strength. He had enough The census was already taken in chapter 23 to where he was surrounded by these mighty men. There was no need to account himself among the nations. He already had a group of men that said, you're our king, we're your men, and we're with you. You don't need validation from the world. Look around you. I'm going to pick on Daniel and Rebecca because Daniel, your mom and dad are here. You two and a young couple walk in the light of God's word and do not count yourself among the nations around you. You look at the godly mom and dad and Your daddy's preaching this morning back at the home. You look at the godly influence you've had around you. These are the mighty men. And I think a lot of times what we do is we look for something that God says is right there next to you. It's right there next to you. Teenager, listen to this. You don't need some outside voice to tell you your worth. You've got a mom and dad that every day look at you and say, you're something special to our family. We love you. Don't let somebody else give you this validation. And don't rise up in pride and say, well, I just need to go spread my wings and go do my own thing. No, God surrounded you with a church and God surrounded you with a pastor and God surrounded you with people that love you. You know the great thing about growing old is we get to watch you grow up. We get to tell stories about you. You ever heard about that group in the wilderness that died? I've been attending church here since I was 12. And there's a group of people Miss White, don't look at me that way, that taught you in junior high that if anybody else says, let me tell you a story about pastor. Yeah, come on, tell it. If Glenda White stands up and gets a mic and said, let me tell you a story about pastor. No, you sit down, man. We don't want you talking because <laughs> she knows the truth. That's why you don't let Miss Britt get up and tell any stories, all right? You and I have got strength around us. And I think a lot of times what we do is we look at the other people down the street and we look at the class reunion and we look at everybody on the job and we get disappointed that we're not further down the road. When you've got a wife at home that thinks you hung the moon. 
and you've got children, they don't know where you rank among the society. They just know you're my daddy. You're my mama. Don't let Satan push you to find significance in this world. Don't let Satan provoke you to think that you've got to measure up to every other family. You just simply walk in the light of that word right there and you say, God, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And while I'm passing through, I want to follow you and everything that you have. And it really doesn't matter where I rank among this world. There are a lot of pastors in this town. A lot of pastors. When I first became pastor, I was invited because I was a new pastor here. I was invited to a group of pastors. And I'm 41 years of age. And I remember walking into this room. And although I've been assistant pastor for 22 years, I am out of my league. Out of my league. And there was a dear older pastor from, from Kilgore. He's a, he was the statesman among the East Texas pastors. He recently went to heaven. And we had done a couple of funerals together. And he knew, he knew, I'm out of my league. And that old statesman stepped up to, next to me and he simply said, you be yourself, you follow the word of God, you love God's people, forget where you rank among everybody else. Best advice I was ever given. And so I simply came back to 2200 West Loop and just said, I don't care where we rank. Let's just love the Lord. Let's just do. Listen to me. You're okay. Say, but pastor, I don't. No, no, you're okay. Because don't let Satan push you into this quest for significance. And I've just got it. No, 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 no. God has you right where you need to be. And you don't know this, but you're surrounded by mighty men who would die for you. You have to know that because the Lord just loves you. He surrounded you. I don't want to end this Sunday morning without telling you the biggest thing that Christ, that the devil wants to do to you is to get you into a pride point to where you don't need Christ. There are many people that will not go to heaven because they're prideful. They have acquired so much. Why do I need God? That's why the book says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into heaven. Because he's rich? No, no, no. Because he's reliant upon his riches. He's reliant. Pride will keep you out of heaven. And pride will make you think, I, why would I need a Savior to save me from sins? I am so glad that I'm not like that man. Pride will make you think you're better than your neighbor. And Satan's quest is to rob your soul from going to heaven and send you straight to hell. And if you're here this morning, know this, that if in your pride you think, ah, church is for old women and children, and I don't need Christ. I see all these other people, but I'm good. No, you're not. Because what would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If you're here this morning and you think you don't need Christ as your Savior, and you think walking an aisle and getting saved would be, oh, who does that kind of stuff? People who need Christ do that kind of stuff. And if you're here this morning, you need Jesus Christ. Don't walk out in pride. Come in humbleness. 
and say, Lord, I need you as my Savior. How many here this morning would be thrilled to death if somebody got saved this morning? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. If I asked that in the middle of the mall, if I asked that on the job, if I went to Papa Cetus and stood up on that railing and said, hey, can I have y'all's attention, please? Put down those chips and hot sauce. I need to ask a question. How many would be glad if somebody walked up to the tortilla machine this morning and bowed on their knees and trusted Christ as their Savior? They would look at me like, what are you talking about? You're in the right place to get saved this morning. And if you're here and you're going, I don't know, I do know, come to Christ. The devil wants you to live in pride so you won't go to heaven. But just drop the pride. Come to a Savior who will save you. And dear believer, listen, if you're walking in pride and you're trying to do this and you're like, I just got to be better. No, 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 no. Drop the pride. You see, God wants to do something in our hearts during this revival. He cannot compete with pride because pride is the shell that won't let the Spirit of God move in our life. And we just need to drop it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.